Hey, thanks for checking out the Axiom Podcast. It's a podcast feed by Axiom Church in Arizona. We really just want to host some conversations about what we think God is up to in our community and in our world. And we also want to post our sermons from our Sunday gatherings. You can get all that here and more. Um, so definitely interact with us on our social medias. It's all under um, Axiom Church AZ, and our website's axiomchurchaz.com. Thanks for checking us out. Hope you enjoy. My name is Eric, and uh, our regular pastor, Pastor Gavin, is in the second week of a four-week sabbatical. So that means uh, two things. One, um, probably don't bother trying to contact him because he's not around. Um, and two, I get to speak to you. So I'm super excited about at least the second thing. Um, so we are in... Uh, we, we've sort of resumed our series in Acts. So last week we picked up with chapter 8 and the story of Philip, and we're going to continue that this week with um, starting at verse 26, and we're just going to dive straight in. So, let me... All right, so, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south on the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. All right, so why an angel? Like so far, um, we've usually heard, you know, the Holy Spirit or the Lord or something like that. Um, why an angel? I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's not important. What's important is that Philip is listening. Um, listening is not a uh, well-promoted thing in our society. Um, you know, the, the, the stars of social media are the ones who are producing the content, not the ones who are listening to it. Um, nobody is, has a scoreboard for who has listened to the most or, or watched the most YouTube videos, which is probably a good thing because I don't want to be on that scoreboard. Um, you know, in, in general, uh, there, like there's thousands of classes on, on speaking, but go try to find a class on listening well. It's just not a thing in our society. And that, and that can um, overflow into our spiritual lives as well. I once had a class uh, on spiritual practices. And one of the spiritual practices that we studied is called walking the labyrinth. This is this Christian practice that is meditative, that is meant to sort of open you to God. And so we talked about that for a bit. And then we went out and we, we walked. And so I'm, you know, they didn't actually have a labyrinth on campus, so I decided to walk the curb around the parking lot. And about a third of the way into it, I was thinking like, yeah, this is pretty much just as weird as I thought it would be. Um, but I said, you know what? I just said a prayer. I said, God, um, I really have no idea what I'm doing here, but I'm willing to listen. And Almost immediately, I heard in my heart, I've been waiting a long time for you. And I knew it was God. And I'm like, well, now I'm here. What do you want to say? God said, I just want to tell you that I love you. And that was a message that I really needed to hear. And God had probably been saying that to me for a long time, but I hadn't been listening. Listening is not something that I'm good at. Um, so so um, 
it's, it's really easy to fall into like this performance mindset where I have to do enough for God or to fall into a, a, um, uh, like a theology mindset where I have to think the right things or, or a consumerist mindset where my life is so full of stuff that I really don't have time for God. And all Jesus wants from us is a relational mindset. Jesus says that um, he, he warns us about people who do a lot of good stuff in his name, but don't know him. That's, Jesus starts out by calling us to himself. And if that's true, then one of the most important things that we can do is to listen to the call of Jesus. And that's exactly what we see happening in this passage. Philip is listening. Um, so it continues, so he started out, and on his way, he met um, an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. Okay, so, um, so we now have the second character in our story enter the scene. Um, it's it's an Ethiopian eunuch. Now, interesting, um, the, the actual, in the Greek, it actually says Ethiopian. Um, but there is no country of Ethiopia at this time. That's actually not going to happen for like a thousand years. So, so when, when, the, when a Greek person said Ethiopian, what did they mean? Well, they basically meant somebody from black Africa, right? That the, there, there sort of is the Arab stretch of Africa in the north and then everything else south. Anybody from the south, that's, that's who they meant when they said Ethiopian. Um, we know that, that this, this man's actually from a country called Cush. And we know that because it says that he, he was working for the Kandake. Kandake was not a name. It's actually a title for a specific person, the queen of the kingdom of Cush. Now, you probably haven't heard much about Cush, which, but people in the ancient world definitely knew about Cush. So um, for the, the, you have the Nile, and at the, at the lower end of the Nile is Egypt, and at the upper end is the kingdom of Cush. And so most of the history of Egypt, their competition was not Greece, it was not Rome, it was not Assyria, it was Cush. And, and so things had gone back and forth between them a lot. Sometimes uh, uh, there was like a hundred year period where Cush where actually ruled the whole shooting match and that's known as the period of the black pharaohs because Cushites were actually the pharaohs during that period. Um, and, and you know, most of the time Egypt dominated. Um, and so, so even though we're not familiar with this guy, and by the way, um, this guy's in charge of the treasury. So you can basically think of him as like, the uh, secretary of, of the treasury for a world power. Like this, this dude is a big deal, right? And, and um, the second thing it says about him is that he's a eunuch. Now, in case you don't know, a eunuch is, you know, like a man who's been castrated. Um, eunuchs were a very popular choice to work in the palaces at this time, not, not just in the Middle East, but in Africa and China as well, um, for, for a couple of reasons. First of all, um, they, they um, were, you know, safer around the women of the palace. Um, so that was like the original reason. But then it also turns out that, that um, because they don't have any possibility of children, they're not going to be trying to set up any competing dynasties or anything like that. And like, to be honest, men will do some pretty stupid things for sex. And so, so a eunuch is like, 
It's really hard to get leverage over that guy to betray the master. So for all of these reasons, um, most of the people working in the palaces tended to be eunuchs. And, and it, it, that was so common, in fact, that sometimes they started talking about, about these palace officials as eunuchs, even if they weren't physically a eunuch. But this guy works for the queen, so it's pretty likely he's actually physically a eunuch. And, and that's going to matter here in a second. Um, all right, so it says this man had gone down to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Now, this is interesting because this guy has some connection with God, right? There's something going on here. Um, and it's very unlikely that he's Jewish for two reasons. One, one is because the, um, you know, wouldn't be the best idea to have a foreigner be in charge of the money, right? Um, but second, in Deuteronomy 23, it says that no eunuch can enter the assembly of God. Eunuchs were pretty much excluded um, from Judaism. And so it is pretty unlikely that he's Jewish, yet he has this connection of some kind to, 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 to God. And while he's in Jerusalem, um, somebody gave him or he purchased a, a Bible, and now on, he's on his way home and he's reading it. Okay, so... Um, the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. All right, so, so far, all that's really happened in this story is Philip is listening and obeying, right? First, Philip listens to the angel and he, and he takes this trip down. Um, by the way, you know, it says go down to the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. From Samaria where he was, that is... Today, a 70-mile drive through Windy Mountain Roads takes a couple of hours, right? This is like a multi-day journey. When it says go down, it's not like go down here to, you know, 83rd and Cactus or something, right? No, this is a long walk, right? And so, um, so, so he obeyed. He gets down there, and then the Spirit says, uh, go, go up to that chariot. So he listens, and he goes, and then he gets up to the chariot, and more listening, right? He is listening to this um, man reading from Isaiah. Now, um, one other thing I should mention here, um, it's, you know, chariots were not just the tanks of the ancient world. They were also the limousines of the ancient world, right? And so, so basically, and, and, and the, the, the guy who's driving the chariot is almost certainly armed, right? And so basically, the spirit is saying, uh, you see that armed guard by the chariot, uh, by the limo? Um, go stand there. It's like, that's probably not the best idea. Might be, maybe a little uncomfortable, but, you know, so was walking three days to get here, right? Uh, but, but Philip is obedient. Um, so, so he uh, comes up and, um, do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. And, and, and a, a, the, the word here, a lot of translations will translate it, unless someone guides me. Um, so, so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? Maybe that resonates a little with the eunuch, right? Um, for his life was taken from the earth. Uh, now we know this passage uh, to be a prophecy about Jesus. 
But this guy has no idea who Jesus is. So he says, um, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Okay, so, so Philip um, opens with a question here. And, and immediately the door is open. This guy invites him up and uh, begins sharing with him the good news about Jesus. Now, Philip has been obedient through this whole process. He's been listening and he's been doing what, what God told him to do. Um, but the work that's going on here, Philip isn't actually doing the work. It's God who's doing the work. There, there's something that has happened in this guy's life. The, the Holy Spirit started in on this guy a long time ago. And what Philip has done is, is basically started out by listening to what not only the Spirit is saying, but listening to this guy and asking him questions. He's finding out where the Spirit is at work in, in this man's life. And then Philip is just joining in to the work that God is already doing. The soil of this man's heart has been prepared to hear the good news about Jesus. So what do you think is going to happen? Well, as they travel along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns till he reached Caesarea. Okay, there's two really shocking things that happen here. And, and neither one of them is Philip getting whisked away. You know, we just heard this story. This guy sort of um, hears, uh, he believes, he gets baptized. And, and maybe that's not that surprising. I mean, that's what happens. We've seen it a hundred times. Well, thousands of times in terms of you know, Pentecost and all this, but that's just what, what happens. So maybe, maybe you're missing two shocking things here. The first thing is this guy is a Cushite. So far, there's been thousands of baptisms, but all of them have been Jews accepting the message. The disciples at this point still have no idea that the doors are even open to people who aren't Jewish. This, this guy is, is not Jewish, and yet the Spirit is telling Philip he's the one. And the second thing is he's a eunuch. Remember, remember, eunuchs are not welcome in the sanctuary of God, according to Deuteronomy. And yet here, this eunuch is being baptized. Those two things would have shocked the socks off of uh, anybody in that first century context who, who was witnessing that. And, you know, Luke could have picked any of multiples of thousands of stories of baptism. This is the first one that he chooses to go into in depth in the gospel. Why is that? Well, I think he's foreshadowing what's to come. The doors to the kingdom are about to be blown wide open, far wider than anybody was thinking. The, the, the gospel is good news for everybody. There is nobody who is outside the reach of God's grace. So that's the story of Philip and the eunuch. Um, what, can we, what can we take from that 
to today to apply in our own lives. Um, I want to focus in on two things. The first thing is listen. The Holy Spirit is at work in your life, calling you into a deeper relationship with Jesus, calling you to love, calling you to be a part of the kingdom of God and of building that kingdom. But are we listening? I um, was convicted in writing this sermon. I'm a morning person. Um, I wake up and my engine just starts immediately and I start thinking about all the things that I have to get done that day and dive straight in. And, and sometimes those things are good things like, you know, preparing a sermon. But I should be making more space for listening to God. I ought to be starting my morning off by saying, God, what are you doing in my life? What are you doing in the lives of the people around me? Show me today what you're doing so that I can join in that work. In fact, I'd, I'd like to challenge myself and you guys to just give that a try every morning this week. Start your morning off by saying, God, what are you doing in the world around me? Open my eyes so I can see it and and. Show me if there's anything I should be doing to participate in, in that process. Which leads me into my, my second point. Um, my second point is also listen. Um, so, so in the story this morning, God has been at work for a long time in this man's life. And Philip um, is just joining in the, the work that God's already doing. But in order to do that, um, he doesn't go straight up and just start telling him about Jesus. He starts by listening. He starts by asking questions. He starts by finding out um, where, where is this guy at? Where is, where is um, the spirit working in his life? And so, so your job is not to convince anybody. It's not to convict anybody. It's not to move anybody. It's not to save anybody. Those are all God's job. Your job is to, first and foremost, listen, find out what's going on, ask questions, discover where the Spirit is moving, and, th and then join in. And, you know, I think as Christians, a lot of times we throw the seed of the good news on rocky ground because we don't take the time to stop and find out where's the fertile ground in somebody's heart that God has been preparing. Um, so, so... What is, what is it, this looking for the movement of the Spirit look like? Practically speaking, how, you know, what does it look like? Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share something with you that I've, I've shared before, and I promise you, you're going to hear me say it again, because I found this so helpful in how, we, how, how I sort of understand what's happening in the world. Um, I think that God creates in us three basic needs that pretty much everything else that we need flows out of. The first is the need for relationship. You, you need to be um, engaged with other people. Um, you need to be connected to them. You need to be connected to God. I believe that is just a God-given way that we're wired. Um, the second thing is the need for security. And, and this is like the need to have peace about my spiritual, physical, emotional well-being, both now and in the future. And the third basic need we have is the need for purpose, the need to be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves, part of something that has significance, part of something that's going to be around after my time here is done. Um, 
The Holy Spirit is drawing us towards God in these ways. And, and um, you know, why? Well, if you think about those things, there's not one of them that you can do on your own. I think the Holy Spirit, God has created us with these needs in order to draw us into relationship with each other and, and, and into relationship with God. And we try to fill them with all kinds of other things. So, so the, the, our need for relationship, we, we turn into lust and, and promiscuity and attention getting and, and conforming. Um, our, our need for security works itself out in a, in a grab for, for money and for power and for control. Our, our need for purpose is um, channeled off into all kinds of causes, lots of good causes out there. But if any of them take the place of God, that's no good, right? And so, so the Holy Spirit is drawing us towards God in these different ways, not, not because God needs us, but because we need God. This is, this is what you were made for. You were made to be connected to other people. You were made to be at peace about who you are and your place in the world and your future. You were made to be a part of something that's bigger than yourself. Anytime we try to fill those with other things other than God, it's going to leave us uh, empty. It's going to leave us wanting. It's going to leave us wondering, isn't there something else? God gives us these hungers in order to draw us to the heavenly banquet table that is filled with all kinds of good things, that is, that is surrounded with good people. And yet, we have this tendency to stay outside, out in the cold by ourselves, eating cotton candy. Tastes good, but it's never going to satisfy. So we live in a world that is hungry for love, hungry for meaning, hungry for safety. In Revelations uh, 3.20, Jesus says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Jesus offers us sanctuary. Jesus offers us relationship. Jesus offers us the opportunity to be a part of creating the kingdom of God. Do you have emptiness in your life? Do you have anxiety about what the future holds for you? Do you, do you have, um, uh, like, are you, are you seeking without finding? If you don't know Jesus, then maybe that thing that you're looking for is Jesus. Maybe today is the day that you can find it. Or maybe, maybe you already know Jesus, but um, there's areas of your life that you've cut off because of, of shame or because you don't want to give something up or because of, of just inability to get past it. Maybe today is the day that you can turn that over to Jesus and find freedom. Or maybe, maybe... Um, 
you like Jesus, but there's just so many other things going on that there's just not quite enough space. Maybe Jesus is getting crowded into a corner of your life. That's so, um, again, you're, you're going to, to find emptiness and disappointment. Maybe today is the day that you can let Jesus into all the rest of it. If you feel hungry for more, if you feel loneliness, if you feel anxiousness, if you feel emptiness, um, it hurts. But that's actually a holy thing. Because I believe that is the Holy Spirit calling you into a better life, calling you into a richer life, calling you into the life that you were made for. Um, if, if any of this that I'm talking about is touching a chord with you, um, I have one simple, easy little step for you. I encourage you to, after the service, go back to our prayer team. They would love to pray with you. Easiest little step. It can be the first step that you take towards uh, the life of, of freedom and joy that, that you were meant for. So, um, the Holy Spirit is at work in, in every one of us, calling us deeper into relationship with Christ. And that process started before you were even a Christian, if you're a Christian. Um, if you're not, still applies, Holy Spirit still at work in you, calling you towards Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is at work in, in all the people around us, calling them towards Jesus. Your job is not to convince anybody of anything, your job is not to get them to say the magic prayer. Your job is not to get them to come to church. Your job is to listen. Your job is to discover where the Spirit of God is already at work in their life. Somewhere in their life is an emptiness that only God can fill. And they might not even know that's what it is that they're missing. They just need someone to walk with them, someone to guide them. Your job is to listen to the Holy Spirit and to listen to them and then walk with them on that journey. So this is the time of our service when we go into something we call communion. This is celebrating and remembering that Jesus died for us, that Jesus has invited us into, um, into his family at great cost. Um, we practice open communion here. What that means is that we believe everybody is invited to the table of Jesus. So we encourage everyone to participate um, as, you, as you feel comfortable. Um, come, come down the center aisles here and take a cracker and dip it in the wine or the juice. And then um, go back to your seat or go, go, go back to the room. We encourage you to find someone to um, participate with you in this, or um, do it on your own if you feel more comfortable doing that. So pray with me. God, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that you love us enough that you were willing to give your, your own life up for us. Pray that um, we would see that work that you're doing not only in ourselves, but in all those around us and help us to um, listen to you and listen to them. Pray that you would um, 
Bless us now as we remember you. In Jesus' name, amen.